Well, first of all, I want to say I missed everyone. We haven't been here in two weeks. We've kind of backslidden a little bit. And, um, but uh, no, we were blessed to be um, at a, our annual board meeting and missions conference for the, the agency I lead. I lead a mission agency called Partner 135. And uh, we mobilize people all over the world. Um, and when I say that, uh, I mean that. We mobilize people that are all over the world too, all over the world is part of our desire. Uh, we've uh, got a vision to mobilize people from the ends of the earth to their ends of the earth. And uh, so just working in that direction toward that, and it was a really great time of uh, gathering, just, just hearing what the Lord's doing all over the world and uh, learning how we can join him in that as a, as a group. And I uh, appreciate uh, we had some folks from here there, and I uh, really appreciate you guys coming out and hanging out and uh, praying for and, and just blessing us there. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, also, uh, we got COVID again. It was awesome last week. Third time's a charm. We won't get it again. Um, but uh, that was, uh, you know, two weeks where I was not here with y'all and I really missed you. Um, but I, uh, were y'all here last week? Who was here last week? Raise your hands. Man, wasn't that a powerful word, Josh and Stacy here? Man, I, lo- I listened to that, and it was so- I'm so thankful that it's up in the, whatever that's called. The cl- yeah, that. It's up in there that I could listen to that. And um, I was thinking about uh, Josh had this, this point really early on in his message where he just said, um, like he was praying one day and God spoke to him about uh, his sons and, and he said there are lost sons and daughters of God, lost sons and daughters of God the Father all over the world. And it really resonated with me because I know there's 3.3 billion of them all over the world that have not heard what we hear. These are, these are people who live in unreached people groups. And that's, you know, does anybody know what unreached people groups means? Kind of, like, never heard it. Never. Yeah, right? Like, well, I'm like, my, my, uh, my brothers, I think they don't, they haven't given their life to Jesus. They must be unreached, right? But that's not what it means. It means that they live in a culture where they have no chance of hearing about Jesus unless somebody breaks through a barrier and brings the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So they literally live in places where it's hard to go. It's, it's places that nobody's going. And um, I was thinking about today, because uh, um, uh, I was thinking about the land of Shinar, because we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. I was thinking about the land of Shinar and how... Um, that was where that Tower of Babel was built. Everybody know where that was? It was Iraq, right? It was kind of between the, the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, and it's kind of like this big, long, plain area, and a really beautiful place, I'm sure, in the day, like good food, good, good provision. Jason's been there. He says, no, it's really not that beautiful now. Um, <laughs> you know, it is not beautiful now. But back then, I can imagine it was, you know, in the Fertile Crescent. It was the place to be. And so they settled there. Um, but I was, I was thinking about that, that location there, um, that place. I know a, a guy named Bob Blinko. He's the, uh, the president of Frontier Missions. And um, he was 
I was praying with him and he was, he was putting together a team to go to that part of the, the world. And uh, he asked the team, you can only go if you agree to pray this prayer. God, would you have me sell all my possessions and go and live in that land so that I could bring the kingdom of heaven there and so that those people that have not heard your great name might have a chance to hear it. I don't know how many tens of millions of people live in that part of the, the, the country of Iraq, south of Baghdad. It's millions. And there's about a handful of people there bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to tell them about it. It's really stunning that the state of the world right now. So when Josh was talking about these lost sons and daughters of God, the Father, all over the world, there's, there's 3.3 billion of them that live in that kind of culture where there's just nothing uh, there for them. There's no, there's no church. They don't have an uncle or an aunt or uh, the shopkeeper down the road that uh, they're going to bump into Jesus. With. Now, the good news is God's not okay with that, and so he's sending dreams into their, <laughs> into their minds as they sleep at night. Uh, I partner with some folks uh, that are Iranian, and um, they testified two weeks ago at our conference. They've seen hundreds of people come to Jesus from Iran. Hundreds, if not thousands. It's, it's shocking, the numbers, the statistics, and the numbers we don't even know, the multiplications. Uh, pretty tremendous, but um, Tara testified that a large majority of them, like in the upper 90s, I believe, 90 plus percent of these people had a dream where Jesus himself visited them and said, I love you, I want you, you're mine. And uh, so they, they sought him out. So the good news is God's working out his plan, right? He's... You know, I'd like to make this comment, and I say it in jest, but the good news is it's really all rigged. His name will be praised, and uh, we're part of that team where, where we, the, the fix is in, in Jesus. Um, let's see, uh, then there was that word about not worrying about, you will say, about what you will say that Stacy said, and uh, she, I think it was her and Josh both kind of keyed on this, ask the Father and he will show you, and it's so true. So I want to ask... Beth, would you come up here and just say what's on your heart? Um, and while she's coming up here, I want to say that I, I really believe that I see, I sense, I feel uh, God is doing something remarkable in this church. Um, he's, he's blessing us with just hearts for worship, hearts for prayer, hearts for the nations, hearts for the lost. And he's stirring us, he's provoking us to not stay still and to go wherever it is that he leads us to pray for people to be healed. Um, I need to be baptized. You know, that kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit's moving and uh, it's so refreshing. So Beth, I'm going to let you talk about what's on your heart. All right. So I listened to Josh and Stacy's message too, and it so resonated with me because he was speaking the same thing to me. He was like, open your mouth. So when we were at our mission conference, um, the founder, the wife of the founder, uh, she has had cancer for five, six years. And she's had to do chemo. Well, this last spring, she had to have brain surgery because it was in her brain. 
And it took her weeks to be able to walk again, to be able to talk, to be able to communicate anything at all. And um, so at, the, at our conference, she was talking to us, and you can tell she stutters a little bit, she lisps a little bit, but she said, I didn't talk for several, several weeks. And then the Lord said, open your mouth and speak. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter how it comes out. Open your mouth and speak about the goodness of, of who I am. Do not neglect to tell people that. And so Stacy and, and Josh, that was their message is open your mouth, speak. And I hear it here. I hear people. I mean, how many people got up to testify? Keep doing it. Do not neglect it. But speak boldly of what he's doing. Speak of who he is. Do not neglect to tell people and give people who God is. He's our savior. He is come. He's love. He's mercy. He's grace. He's just. He's so many things. And if we are not proclaiming those things to the people that are around us day in and day out, they're not going to hear it. So um, Ephesians 6, uh, Paul says, to that end, saints, wait, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me to, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So I want to pray that over us. I see it happening. I hear it from people day in, week in and week out testifying but let's continue to speak it boldly. So dear Lord, we just come to you and we thank you. We thank you for your word that speaks a better word over us, that your blood testifies. We thank you that you, you bring so much joy and peace into our lives, that you fill us to overflowing. Lord, help us, give us courage to speak courage to open our mouths, to speak boldly of what you're doing, to speak boldly of your love, to speak boldly of the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Lord, give us words. Help us reach, to reach those that we, um, that we can touch here and that we would learn to reach those that we, can, that we can touch around the world. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you. <clears throat> all right, I've got some really great news for all of you. Um, I have an appointment at one o'clock in Augusta, so you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Okay, so today I want to speak about God's eternal purpose of demonstrating his love for all nations in Christ Jesus. Um, I, uh, before I do, before I get into that, I want to share a testimony of uh, victory in Jesus. Uh, Friday, I think it was Friday, I said, hey, Jonathan, do I just need to email the stuff to Dina or whatever? Because uh, Dina, everybody give Dina a hand. Um, and I just want to give her more applause uh, because of today. But... Um, so I got everything ready, put it in an email, and I could swear I clicked send. But Dina, I confess, it was sitting there ready to be sent. And I am very sorry for uh, being so tardy with 
the scriptures. Okay, so what verses come to mind when you think of uh, missions? The Great Commission. Who knows the Great Commission? Raise your hand. What's the verse that comes to mind? Anybody know it? Can you spout? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Yeah, what, what passage, what text is that that we're thinking of? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says this, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, I had a, a good friend, a good brother uh, the other day say, hey, Matt, do you know what the context of the Great Commission is? It's like, well, yeah, of course. But I was just kind of, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's all authority on hev- in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the context of the Great Commission. I'm boss. <laughs> That's it. Jesus is Lord, uh, is the context there. For years, our church culture has uh, singled out this passage, though. It's just an observation I'm making, like, hey, this is our verse for missions. Like, and we, we have missions conferences, and we talk about, hey, we've got to do missions so, because of that. And I just want to say that uh, the Bible's full of verses that talk about this, and that's today what we're going to try to get into. And um, so if you've got your Bible with you, I'd like you to grab it. The Bible has a whole lot more to say in it on the subject of missions than just uh, those verses. In fact, uh, there's over 1,600 verses that talk about God's eternal purpose of demonstrating his great love for all people, for all nations in Christ Jesus. So grab your Bibles and open up to Genesis chapter 12. (coughs) Pardon me. And then, uh, so put a finger in there. And then go to Revelation and put a finger in there. So your Bible is one story. The Bible is one story and it's got an introduction like every good story. and It's got a plot and it's got a a conclusion. And uh, what you'll see if you you dig into this, we're going to try to go through it pretty quickly today, is that the Bible uh, has one theme throughout, and it's that God is wanting to reach the nations and and to be worshipped by them. Uh, It's vital that we understand that. It's vital that we see the world as he does. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, we see the, uh, the blessing. We've talked about this, the, I mean... Sam McVeigh talks about this all the time. Um, so I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir in a lot of ways, and, uh, but I wanted to draw this out. Genesis 1 through 11 is the introduction, and there's four things that happen in Genesis 1 through 11. There's the creation, there's the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. It's pretty much that right there. There's, you know, yeah, there's lots of little, little things in there, but there's four main things that are going on there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, this is an interesting command. Why did he say, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth? There was no one there. There was no one there. 
These were his image bearers, right? And he wants his image spread throughout the earth. He was doing something. He was doing something. And then we know that that didn't quite go so well. It didn't go according to, to plan. Well, I, Adam and Eve did not obey that uh, fully. And we see that there was lots of challenges. And then the flood comes in because of the fall. And God's going to bring judgment on the earth. And, uh, but after the, the flood, we see that God repeats the blessing and says, be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 9, he says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And we know, you know, they had lost authority at that point. Um, but uh, how'd they do on that? How did the, the people do at obeying God? Not so well, right? We just talked about it, plain of Shinar, Genesis 11, 1 through 4. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So just imagine that you were there, put yourself in their shoes. It would sound something like this. Hey, we're all together in one place. It's kind of cool. We all speak the same language. We, we wear the same clothes, eat the same food. We like the same football teams. Our kids go to the same school. You know, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's just hang out right here, right? So, um, <clears throat> didn't work. So we know the rest of the story is God says in, in verses 7 and 8, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. So as we end the introduction, um, there's this unexpected thing by us, those of us reading the story, it's kind of unexpected. Like, uh, oh my goodness, now there's a twist in the story. There's all these languages and everybody's moving all over the place. Uh, the people are scattered all over the earth and God begins to do something amazing and the plot begins. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And at that point, I'm kind of like, hey, that's cool. Man, God, do that for me. <laughs> you know, like what good news for Abram, right? But he says, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's like, hey, Abram, I want you to leave everything you hold dear. Leave your country, your people. Leave your family, your life, your dreams, your ambitions, and your future, as well as all that you know and are familiar with. I want you to go somewhere completely strange, and I want you to do it because I told you to. Now, if you keep reading, something very peculiar happens at this point in the story. This is strange. It's weird. Genesis 12, 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So, whoa, 75, are you kidding me? 
75, wow. But something strange, something peculiar, he obeys God. He says, okay, <laughs> like, wow, this is new. A man says, I'm going to obey you, God. And he does. And God says, I can work with that man. And he begins to form a great nation out of, out of uh, Abram. Now, I want to I show, too, that this is such a cool thing. Genesis 12 is where the story begins. And I, I have a theory, and you can test me on this. I urge you to test me. I challenge you. The rest of the Bible, it's like basically Genesis 12, 1 through 3 on repeat. Over and over and over and over again. Hey, I got, I'm doing something. I'm doing something. I will bring glory to my great name. It literally is that five times in the book of Genesis, God gives this blessing. Uh, he repeats the covenant in Genesis 18, 18. He says, Abraham sh shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Chapter 22, verse 18, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God has something that he keeps repeating here. All the nations of the earth. All. Through you. Through a man who will obey. Through you and your line. All the peoples will be blessed. Stunning, stunning statements. Next in line is Abraham's son Isaac. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. This is Genesis 26. As the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And to Isaac in chapter 28. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. Now I... Have you ever thought about that? The stars and the sand and the dust, like, that's a lot of numbers there. Like, go count the sand on the seashore. Go count the stars in the sky. In fact, God tells him, to, he tells him to do that. You can't. It's going to be big. This is a big thing I'm doing. It's remarkable. The dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And the rest of the Old Testament is God using Israel to do just that. Um, I'm going to, the Deuteronomy chapter 4, um, I'm going to read verse 6. Keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom. He's talking about the Ten Commandments and your understanding in the sight of the nations or the peoples. His reputation spreads after parting the Red Sea in Joshua chapter 2, uh, verse 9 and 10. I know, this is Rahab talking, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. God is making his name great. Like everywhere Israel goes, people are taking note. God has chosen. This people out of 70 nations, and everywhere they go, they're seeing the power and the glory of God at work. In 1 Kings chapter 4, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he says, 
And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. In the Psalms, the Psalms, there's 174 references to the, to the nations and the people. It's Genesis chapter 12 on repeat. One of my favorite ones, if you come to my house, you've seen this verse, Psalm 46, verse 10. This is the Hobby Lobby verse. <laughs> Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And if, if you're like most American Christians, you've got that part highlighted and you've, you've circled it and you've got little stars around it. Right? But it's be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is God talking. It's going to happen. That's where I get it's rigged, by the way. <laughs> it's going to happen. So when you hitch your, your wagon to that train or to that ox or whatever, like when you get on that ride, guess what? Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Another one, another one. Psalm 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And in your Bible, it says, Selah. Pause. Ah. Oh. Don't you feel good about that? You see that up on the signs, too. And, and that's one that we just stop right there in verse 1 as well. Um, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Did you count them? Did you count them? There's like 11 references to the nations and the earth and all the peoples in that psalm alone. Genesis chapter 12 on repeat. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. The purpose of God's blessing in our life is so that we will bless others with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we will take this blessing and not consume it on ourselves but use it to multiply that blessing throughout all the earth. God's blessing is for his great name to be known. That's the point of the scriptures. I was, uh, I'm going to end with this today because um, there's a clock staring at me right now. About 10 or 11 years ago, some of you may have heard this story because I like to tell it. I tell a lot of stories. Um, they're mostly true. About 10 or 11 years ago, I went to India. We've been partnering with uh, Indian Christians for uh, 30 plus years. And there was one of those men, a young man, he's my age. Um, 
he was young then. Um, he said, hey, it's so great that we're coming here and we're planting churches all around the city where we, where we work. Thank you for coming and partnering with us. But you see, up there in those mountains, those are called the Eastern Ghats. There's, there's lots of people up there that need to hear about Jesus. And I just, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me that they would know him? And what is it going to take for us to go there? Is kind of what his conversation was. And so um, a year or two later, we put together a team and grabbed our backpacks because uh, I know in that area, I've, I've researched it, there's, there's literally 100 unreached people groups or more just within little short driving distance. Hundreds of thousands of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. So we go there and we put our backpacks on and we get in a bus. Uh, we grab our backpacks, get in the bus. We drive for a few hours to get up there to where the road ends. There is no more road. We grab our packs and we take off. In the city, we park the bus. We get about 25 yards. There's the trail, and it leads up into who knows where. And there's about 15, 20 people standing around. And thus it begins. Hey, we're here. We've got the best news ever known. Somebody needs to preach, and I will tell you right now. <laughs> I was like, not me. <laughs> not it. <laughs> you know, that's what was going on in my heart. And I'm there to preach the gospel. But I was scared. I was fearful. How could I ever bring anything to these people? It's a normal feeling. So a, a brother of mine, Paul, he begins preaching. And long story short, six or seven people came to Christ right then and there. Hey, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. The next village, guess what, Matt? It's your turn. <laughs> oh, and I gave a very messed up version of the gospel. I gave a flawed presentation of the gospel. I told the story of creation to Christ. I told about how God's eternal purpose was to save all mankind, all peoples, all nations. And God sent us halfway around the world from our village to yours so that you can know about Jesus, the only hope for man. I think out of like 40 people, three people accepted Christ. I told you it was flawed. But praise the Lord, that's three people, you know? Well, fast forward throughout the days, we're, we're backpacking through these mountains and going places, and uh, remarkable things happen. We, we preached to over 800 people on the entire trip, actually over 1,000 people on the entire trip, and 435 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to tell you on the last couple of days, well, right before that, I told you how I felt about it the first time. About three days in, we were trying to cut in front of each other so we could preach the gospel because God is so good. When you preach, when you're obedient and you're faithful to speak, oh, such a blessing. I have food to eat of which you know nothing of is what Jesus told his disciples, right? And it is, it, it is fulfilling, we're made, we're his workmanship created for good works, which he prepared for us in advance so that we might walk in them. It's our purpose, it's why we're here. So we get there on the last couple of days, we, we've 
looked at a map and we've said this area right here, we got to go make a loop through here. And we take off and we're dog tired. We're beat. You get there, you start, you got jet lag to begin with and you're hiking it off. So uh, who went on the backpacking trip with the men? Raise your hands. It was worse. <laughs> it was so bad. We take off up the trail and we're just beat. An hour into it, maybe. It's like, hey, we got to stop and get some water and have a snack. And this group of Indians, uh, it's a trail, and, and there's just this little clearing with, I think, maybe a rock. We're in the middle of the jungle, the middle of nowhere jungle. We stop and we pause. We're, we're eating a snack, drinking some water, and about 11 people gathered there, and they're just staring at us because it's really strange to see white people. And it's like, hey, we've drawn a crowd. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm, well, right now I'm here because I want to drink. <laughs> Preach the gospel, Matt. So I grab Prasant, my brother, and I, I say, hey, these people, I don't, I don't know why they stopped, but we're here for one reason. Let's, let's tell them the good news. So we preach the gospel. Ten out of 11 people accept Jesus Christ. The whole time, there's a man. This is, I remember it vividly. There's a man in a business suit and dress pants and fancy loafers, Mr. Fancy Pants. He's there and he's holding his Nokia phone. The whole time he's looking at it. And I don't know, he's just, he's hitting buttons and, you know, I think he was playing Snake. I'm not sure. Anybody remember Snake? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the people that came to Christ. And I, I remember thinking, man, this guy, you don't have that kind of clothes unless you're somebody important in this part of the world. So I just remember, Lord, bless that guy. The rest of the day, we hike through the mountains. We get all the way up to uh, the end of our trail, and, and we had just preached, and we're going, and where we're going is way up there. It's like 500 vertical feet. We've got about half an hour before the sun goes down. We literally crawled into the village of Porlu spent, had laid it all out. And the first person we see is the man in the fancy shirt and the fancy pants, and he's the chief of that village, and he says, oh, I've been praying all day that you would come here and tell my people about Jesus. You've got to come tell them right now. Come on, come on. And we're like, dude, I can't walk. But he says, come in. He gathers his whole village around. It's getting dark. A dear friend of mine, he's been here multiple times, uh, Lance from Madison. He, he's the one that got to preach that night. He's standing up on a little platform, got these headlamps up here because you can't see anything, and they couldn't see him. That's our stage lighting. Lance preaches the gospel, and it's time to pray to receive Jesus. And there's voices coming out of the darkness. I have no idea how many. <laughs> I don't even know. Remarkable stuff. The next morning we wake up and the, the chief says, look across that valley over there. It's about a mile away across a valley and it's like, yeah, neat. Got to go because we got to get down. We're getting down. We're done. We're off the mountain now. And he says, no, that's Karuti. Those people need to hear about Jesus. Nobody goes to Karuti. 
Business people don't even go there. It's so far. It's so remote. There's no roads. You got to go. We grab our water bottles, leave our packs. He says he'll watch them for us. We go over there, and it was brutal, but we got there. We get over there. It's so remote. The people are afraid of us. The children would look at us, and they would cringe, and they would hide because they had never seen anything like us. We preach the gospel. Not one person accepts Jesus. Not one. We're standing there dumbfounded every place we've preached. Somebody came to Jesus, and we're like, what in the world is going on, God? What are you doing? But we just heard strongly, it's not your job to save. Preach the gospel. So we're just encouraging each other with that word at that moment. And this man walks up in a loincloth with a walking stick, and he's holding a baby, and the baby's, I mean, just tiny, tiny baby. He walks up to us, and he's got a little God on his necklace and he says the rest of these people want to go to hell I've got a couple commitments to my gods and then I want to follow Jesus a little bit of a strange thing I don't have a grid for that you know so we said okay we walked down the mountain we get to the bottom of the mountain one of our team members Matt Ellis from Spring Texas collapses falls down on the ground. He can't move. He's passed out. He's blacked out. You guys ever seen bamboo in the jungle? Anybody seen it? It's like bamboo that big around. It grows like as tall as the ceiling and then it starts leaning over and you've got these clumps of it. It's leaning over like this and it's, we're in one of those tunnels right there. And we're reviving Matt. We're praying for him, laying hands on him. He gets revived. We give him some water, some food. And we were there for an hour and a half. We got lots of pictures because when your buddy falls down on the trail, you grab your camera, not your water. (laughs) Right? So we got lots of pictures. We remember the place well. Flash forward. Two years. We come back. And we're on the other side of that area, the other side of the mountain from where we had been completely and flatly rejected, where the gospel had been refused. And we're walking along, and there's this homestead there, a farmer, and he's out there, he's got his cow, and he's plowing the ground, and we talk to him, making small talk, and just getting some information. He's a follower of Jesus. (laughs) What? This is new. Where do you go to church? Do you gather with other believers? He says, yeah, I go to Karuti, just up over the ridge. That's where my church is. Karuti? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He says, no, I'm not kidding you at all. Well, tell us about Karuti. What's going on there? He says, like, how many, how many followers of Jesus are there? The whole village is following Jesus Christ as Lord. Hallelujah. Whoa, are you kidding me? That's my God. That's my God. It's not up to you to save them, Matt. Just preach the gospel. Let it come out of your lips. Don't worry about what you will say. It'll probably be messed up. It's guaranteed. The Holy Spirit, he's perfect. He's the best interpreter of the word of God. There's so much more to that story. 
blows my mind over the next several years. I kept getting reports back from the teams. I got Lyme disease right after that, and I haven't been back on one of those trips. But men, faithful men, have gone year after year after year after year. On that trek, the whole time, I prayed, Lord, because everywhere we went, they'd never even heard of Jesus, and most of the villages had never seen white skin. And my prayer was this, Lord, would you start a movement here? Would you reach these people, Jesus? You're worthy. I've got a request from that area right now to fund 48 evangelists from right there where there was no gospel. Praise the Lord. Do you know he just wants us to show up? He just wants us to be there wherever it is, at work, at the gas station, when you're buying groceries, when you're at your doctor's office, at school, wherever you are, you're a carrier of the presence of God and you have the best news ever. He wants you to show up. Because the whole point of it is that his name would be made great among all the nations. Whether you go, that's, that may not be your thing. Whether you pray or you give, you encourage people that are going, just show up. Herald the kingdom of heaven. It's the best news ever. So, Father in heaven, I thank you for this day that you've given us in your word, and I just pray for you to cause our hearts to burn for your glory among the nations. Amen. Um, I'm going to end it right here today. Next week, I'm going to have a continuation. I haven't finished the story. Uh, I might not finish the story. I'm a little... Um, But I want to make an announcement um, I've got to go because I've got to meet with six missionaries that are going to Uganda at the end of September uh, over in Augusta and um, one of those missionaries is Sarah Osborne would you stand up um, I'll bet that doesn't work in here because there's no signal but uh, if you're interested in joining her in prayer um, well, she's going to bring postcards next week. Another one of those missionaries is Sean Humig's son, Josh. He's going, Josh has been one of the faithful men to preach through the mountains of India. And uh, just been a real blessing and joy to work with him over the years. But uh, we'll have more on that. Um, and then some practical things. Uh, you might be saying, well... That's a whole lot of information. What do I do about it? Well, come next week and we'll find out. So bless you all. Praise the Lord for his goodness. The end.